0: Welcome to episode 118 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the downright bloody. This week, we're going to be talking about the evil dead on your What Happened to Her Eyes podcast. I'm Mandy Kay, and when I'm not watching movies for the show, I'm probably playing Division 2 on Xbox. You can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay.
1: And I'm at Matthew Vose. I'm not going to talk too much because I've just had a very spicy enchilada, and I'm drinking lots of water. (laughs)
0: And this week, we are joined by Erica Schultz from the Customers Also Watched podcast. So Erica, when you saw my list, you jumped at the chance to talk about The Evil Dead. So why this movie? I am a huge horror fan, and I love, love, love this
2: movie. Uh, Ash is one of my favorite characters in horror. I've seen this movie more times than I can count. Um, I had a poster of... The movie in my room, growing up, it's the one with the woman reaching out of the grave. I think my mom was probably a little concerned about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, when I was young, I knew I liked it, but I didn't know why. And um, as I got older and started to understand more about the genre, I understood, you know, what it really took for these these kids. They were in their, you know, late teens, early twenties to make a movie like this. And, you know, I think. What you can also tell is that Raimi is a horror fan, which, you know, people who are horror fans making horror films is really important. On top of that, I even own Ash action figures and artwork, and I've got Bruce Campbell's books, so I'm a diehard.
0: <laughs> nice. I imagine you've probably met him at
2: cons. I have, yes. I've got, one of my books is signed by him, too, and I'm actually going to Texas Frightmare next weekend? yeah, next weekend. And um, he'll be there. So I might bring either one of my still boxed action figures. No, that'll be too heavy. Uh, I'll probably bring one of uh, one of the other books and have him sign that. So
0: make sure you tell him you're on a podcast to talk about him. Oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I sang your praise
2: almighty Bruce. <laughs>
0: and if you're listening, exactly. hi Bruce Campbell. <laughs> exactly.
1: So, so you had the poster. How old were you when you first saw this?
2: I was 11 when I first saw it. And um, I didn't get the poster, though, until junior high. So 13, 14.
1: Do you... I don't know a nice way to ask this. Do you think you were too young? Is that age appropriate? Were you scarred?
2: (laughs) I don't think so. I mean, I, I think a movie that actually... And I know you guys have covered this on your podcast before. But a movie that really did scar me for life was Jaws, because that's reality. Like there are sharks yeah. in the ocean and they will kill you. Yeah. I, I, I think I knew from a young age that this is fake and I just enjoyed it. And my mom was actually a horror fan. Um, okay. but I mean, you know, she grew up in the, you know, fifties and sixties. And so that horror is nothing like what this was, but hmm she was the one who sort of got me into that and, and didn't say, Oh, you can't watch that. Um, I think she just understood like, you know, the difference between what's fake and what's real. Um, mm. so yeah, I, I, I think for some, it's definitely too young. I think it just depends on your, um, your sort of upbringing, I guess. I don't yeah, know what think- that says about my mom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, I, I think we had basically the same conversation in reverse, but about Pulp Fiction. Mm -hmm. And how my mom was worried about me watching that because it wasn't this sort of fantastical violence. It was very much, no, this is kind of real world. Yeah.
0: Mm. Okay. Matthew, before we continue, um, when we started, I forgot to have us start Audacity. Did you start your Audacity? I did. Okay. Because I didn't start mine, so (laughs) the whole first bit of that is just going to be the same recording. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, we we're will make now. it work, I'm sure. I'm yeah, going to make okay. you re-record just the intro.
0: <laughs> you might. You absolutely might. It's fine. Okay. Sorry.
1: So, Mandy, th- how come you've not seen this one? I'm not sure we've particularly discussed your feelings on horror before.
0: <laughs> no, never. We've, we've never talked about that. Um, well, so as listeners know, if it came out before I was born, I probably just haven't seen it because that's old. <laughs> 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 and I wasn't born yet when this one came out, um, and I just have never really been a fan of horror, which is why we did, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street last year and and that sort of stuff. I had heard of it by the time the TV show came out on Stars a couple years back, um, but it wasn't until then that I really even was interested in possibly seeing it, and even then, it was only because of Bruce Campbell. Like, it was never because, oh, I really want to see this horror movie. It was Bruce Campbell's funny. Let's see what else he's done.
1: Right. Got it. So. That's that's a fair reason to watch pretty much any movie.
0: <laughs> what was your, uh, Mandy, what was your familiarity
2: with Bruce Campbell then? Was it just from Xena? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen him in. Because it's just random stuff. He crops up, you're like, oh, hey, it's Bruce Campbell. Cool.
0: Generally, when I notice him in a cameo, I immediately go, oh, this must be a Sam Raimi movie. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah. Um, a bit of background on the film. The Evil Dead is a 1981 horror film written and directed by Sam Raimi. It stars Bruce Campbell as Ash and was a box office success, grossing $2.4 million, almost eight times its production budget. Critics were largely positive about the film, praising the innovative camera work, use of black comedy and the grisly effects. Stephen King caught an early preview of the film when they were still looking for distribution. He loved it instantly and gave a quote for the poster, calling it the most ferociously original horror film of the year. And he even wrote a review for the Twilight Zone magazine, calling, including a call for someone to distribute the film. Raimi quotes this endorsement as one of the key factors to making their first sales of the movie. In the UK, the video of *The Evil Dead* was added to a list of video nasties, home video releases deemed to be obscene. The British Board of Film Classifications website has a case study about *The Evil Dead*, which includes the line: "It was unfortunate for the distributors of *The Evil Dead* that their film was released at the height of the video nasty scare." Although *The Evil Dead* was quite different in tone to many of the so-called video nasties, in that its tongue in cheek was, in that its tongue was firmly in its cheek. And it was not surprising when the video version, which had already been cut for the cinema was added to a list of video nasties.
2: Yeah. And you know, some, it's one of those things, the whole video nasties things like we've covered a few Mm. on customers also watched not on purpose because a lot of those movies aren't my favorite, but Sam Raimi actually testified before a judge in the UK In order to protest the the film being put on the list um and a lot of people will mistakenly say like oh sam raimi went to jail for this film and he didn't go to jail (laughs) he just testified about the film so yeah and uh i think another sort of fun fact about the the film's history is the original title of it was the book of the dead and before they really Took it out on the road and mass marketed it they brainstormed a few possible different titles and before they landed on the evil dead they had or some of the options uh blood flood uh 101 dead and death of the dead so um thought that was i like some of those titles i'm you know i'm gonna write some uh blood flood fan fiction maybe
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. i i think the other ones you've listed there they I, for me, they work a little bit better because they tell you it's not quite taking itself seriously. Yeah. The the Evil Dead sounds like something that's taking itself too seriously.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe. I agree.
1: And the, the whole Video Nasty's thing, it was it was before I really, well, you know, was old enough to understand cinema mm-hmm. and films and things. Um, I only remember the end of it. But yeah, most of them are pretty schlocky, didn't end up going mainstream. There's only a few that you'd actually recognize the titles of. Yeah. So it it almost surprised me this was on it because in my head, it's, uh, they're actually not worth watching. They're pretty bad.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a few that have definitely become cult classics, Mm. um, but there's some that are just, you know, um, grotesque and obscene for the sake of just being that with really no story behind them. And, right. um, But I mean, there's definitely a few that are, are still, like, I, that I own <laughs> and, and <laughs> do enjoy. Um, but that's because they kind of share the same quality as Evil Dead in that they are, they do have that camp, but it just wasn't recognized by the BBFC at that time. Um, right. Or the, Yeah. So.
0: I did also see that even in the United States, it was rated in C-17 at first. Yeah.
2: And I think at one point they had to change it to unrated um, because if it's NC 17, that, that severely restricts, you know, how you can, how it can be released and what, mm-hmm. what theaters will show it, but unrated tends to make it that uh, a little bit, a little bit easier. So,
0: yeah, the, I think it's the edited version that has been downgraded to rated R and I'm assuming that's the version I saw. So I would be curious to see what they changed. Or Um, if they actually even did change. Maybe it's just because that was in the 80s and now we're not.
2: Well, the scene that got this film essentially, I mean, it is, there is a lot of blood and gore, but it is so clearly fake. Um, But the the (laughs) scene that essentially got this put on the video nasties and the reason it got that rating is a scene that we'll talk about later that I'm Mm. pretty sure, Mandy, you've got a problem with.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You Uh, read my notes. (laughs) Um, yeah okay so no
2: like like what's out there now is is uncut so you've seen the version
0: okay interesting all right so before we get into our full discussion if you have not seen the evil dead five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flesh possessing demons that sounds remarkably like the synopsis of a more recent movie that has come out oh cabin in the woods yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I actually, and I was going to say this a little bit later, I stopped this the movie um, after I had started it because it had a very cabin-in-the-woods feel to it, and I wasn't sure if this movie was intended to be kind of in that satirical making fun of horror vein or if it was supposed to be straight horror. And the the answer to that question kind of has an impact on how you experience the film. If you expect it to be straight horror and you get satire you're going to be disappointed if you expect satire and you get straight horror, you're not going to interpret it the way the filmmakers wanted you to. So I wanted to make sure that even though usually I go in blind, I kind of wanted to know, like, what should my frame of reference be for this movie? Um, Because it did feel very Cabin in the Woods esque, and so I I feel like Joss Whedon was absolutely inspired by this movie.
2: Yeah, When when he did uh, that one. So many others, like... Every single <clears throat> creature that's in there is plucked from another horror movie out there. Like the the whole film is, it's it's not just meta horror; it's reference horror.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> I, I think even over and above like Cabin in the Woods, there's a lot of the kind of vibe of Buffy in this, particularly Buffy the movie, and some of the way it deals with monsters and horror and just mm. over the top violence, almost.
2: Yeah certainly reminds
1: me of early seasons of the TV show with things crashing through windows and noises and the way the camera moves around.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Whedon is definitely a fan. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. So I'm assuming then that you probably own this if if you've watched it dozens of times in your life.
2: Yeah, I actually own uh, three copies of it. Two uh, DVD versions because I had, you know, the first one I bought and then they had a special edition come out um, that is actually packaged in a Necronomicon, it's like a foamy cover. And then I've got a uh, Blu-ray that came out with some extra features on it. So yeah, I've got three copies of it. Nice. So I had no problem watching finding it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which one did you watch for this?
2: I watched the uh, foamy cover DVD one. Nice.
0: <laughs> what about you, Matthew? Where did you find this one to watch?
1: Um, it's not available streaming in, in the UK at the moment. So I picked up a copy of the DVD for this. Oh. The f- full uncut version, apparently. Big letters <laughs> on the front cover. Uh, th- there was They submitted it for re-rating uh, 2000, 2001, I think, to, to actually get it properly released in the UK. Um, and I think they... Uh, I, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it was something like they didn't have to make any changes because the Board of Classification went, yeah, times have changed, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you where did you find I, this i
0: i had it is streaming but it's not on any of the streaming services so i still had to well almost had to rent it i did the free seven day trial of the shutter channel on amazon um so i didn't actually have to pay for it which was nice because <laughs> we pay for a lot of movies on the show it's always nice whenever we can not do that but um yeah so shutter is probably the the, the one place i would have expected it to be because yeah. that's the the horror channel now. It's pretty great. There's a lot of good stuff on there, Mandy. <laughs> y-
1: yeah, with, with a free week, are you going to have a great week of horror now?
0: <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, so for full disclosure, I actually subscribed to Shudder for about a month after A Discovery of Witches came out because mm-hmm. it's on Shudder, which is a weird place for it to be. Um, and we, I have a Discovery of Witches podcast. And so um, I wanted to actually... Pay for the content I was podcasting about, yeah. um, and I didn't watch anything else on Shutter except for Discovery of Witches. I was like, these things all sound interesting, but I'm not sure I want to do that. <laughs> Horror and I just don't get along very well.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so uh, said that it was directed by Sam Raimi and stars Bruce Campbell. Have you seen any of their the other work?
0: So Bruce Campbell is always going to be autologous to me from Xena. Okay. Best Thief Ever. Having having not
1: watched Xena, I don't know who that is.
0: Well, you should watch Xena. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, you're going to hate it, but you should still watch it. (laughs) Um, And Sam Raimi is Ted Raimi's brother. And I know who Ted Raimi is because he was also on Xena. (laughs) 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 And of course, Sam Raimi did Spider-Man. So that's it. Like, I really don't know very much about these people at all, um, but I know who they are, which is wonderful.
1: Uh, I'm now trying to look up other Sam Raimi films we should recommend to you.
0: Oh, uh, let's see. There's
2: uh, Drive Me to Hell, but if you're not a horror fan, <laughs> you probably won't like it, but that one's very much like Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Um, it's it's over-the-top gore, but it's very campy and fun. Uh, there's Dark Man, uh, which is not really horror um i mean it is but not not like evil dead uh yeah the spider-man films and then he actually produced the new evil dead he didn't direct it
0: so does sam raimi just do like horror and spider-man and that's it (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay
2: i mean he does have you know some other stuff to his credit i mean it's not just that but he's you know he's a horror fan and so that's pretty much the majority of you know it's where he started and and a lot of what he does but um you know what he's most well known for obviously is evil dead and spider-man um dark man and as far as like You know, there's a certain movie that Raimi fans do not like to mention called Oz the Great and Powerful.
0: (laughs) Oh, is that, was that the the sci-fi version of The Wizard of Oz?
2: Yeah, I I never saw it because I heard so many bad things about it, but it's the one that's got James Franco in it. It's like early 2010s. I'm not exact. I don't remember the exact date. Um, I mean, he, he directed a couple other things like, um, Gene Hackman and, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Quick and the Dead. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, I mean, he's not strictly horror, but that's a lot of, you know, what, um, what he does okay. for the most
0: part, I guess. That's probably why I'm really only familiar with him from Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and cause he's Jockstar's brother. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> he was also exec producer of Xena about me, and the Hercules series and the, yeah that makes sense and the Hercules TV movies he was in that world wasn't he
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I was going to ask you about similar movies specifically to have a discussion on Cabin in the Woods um, which yeah owes a lot of debt to this film
0: yeah that's probably the most similar movie I've seen to this because I haven't I mean, we know, I just, horror has never been on my radar. Um, And then when we move more into the gore aspect of horror, it's even further down. You know, if I'm going to watch a scary movie, I'm going to prefer it to be about ghosts. You know, like The Haunting of Hill House or the other version of that same story, The Haunting, um, versus Saw or um, this. You know, I, I don't do well with a lot of blood and like just violence which is weird because i like action movies but it's it's different when you're doing it for the sake of the shock value i think um and so i just haven't seen a lot
1: like this so with all that in mind did you enjoy the evil dead
0: (laughs) well if you read my notes you're gonna think i didn't (laughs) um i enjoyed the experience Absolutely. Um, it was entertaining. It was fun. I laughed a lot. Um, and I have come out of it wanting to actually rewatch it now. Um okay. because from start to finish, like it took me a while to get past I think the low budget the time period this was from the fact that these these guys were you know, effectively filming themselves in a basement somewhere, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, kind of getting past all of that into – this is a passion project for them and understanding how much fun they were having and how much they were enjoying doing it to then kind of getting the story and becoming invested in, at the very least, Ash's character, you know. And so it, it was a lot of iterations that I had to get through during the course of the movie. And so I want to kind of go back and rewatch the whole thing from the perspective of, oh, I actually appreciate the work that was done here. Because it took me a little while to get there, which is painfully obvious if you read my thoughts, Doc.
1: <laughs> okay, so your what was your take on that style? And very specifically, the fact it wasn't being played totally straight? I think you said you stopped and sort of checked you were reading it right.
0: Yeah, because um, we got to the the bridge scene where they were going over the bridge that was um, that no car should ever drive on ever, and I was like, I I need to understand how I'm supposed to be feeling about this because it was campy to the max, but it also felt a little bit self aware. You know, because you have the scene where Ash, they, they get stuck on the bridge, and Ash opens the door, and he almost falls into the river, and he gets this expression on his face, and he closes the door again, and I'm like, wait, let me stop, because there are some <laughs> horror movies that would have done that differently, that would have played it completely straight, and it would have been terrifying, and, and all of the stuff, and then this kind of did it in a tongue-in-cheek, kind of over-the-top manner all of the acting in that opening scene was super melodramatic and over the top and I needed to know how am I supposed to be viewing this you know and it turns out it's somewhere in between it it Mm. it doesn't fall on either side of that line completely um I think somebody Without fail, across the board, everybody that I asked, I actually ended up emailing Erica because people weren't responding to my tweet fast enough. <laughs> I, like, I need to watch this movie, you guys. <laughs> um, but then I did start getting responses on Facebook and Twitter, too. And everybody said, you know, it is straight horror, but it is intended to be funny. It has its tongue rooted firmly in cheek. Um, and then everybody also suggested that once you get to the Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, it it swings more towards that comedy, satire, like bonkers (laughs) line, Um, but that the first one was intended to be kind of an ode to horror. So it was helpful to have that information, you know, and and it helped me kind of sit back and say, okay, this isn't actually a bad movie, even though at times it felt like it, you know, sometimes the acting wasn't that great. Sometimes the The dialogue wasn't that great. Sometimes the camera work was shoddy. The lighting was terrible, you know, but when you realize that these are people who it's it's almost like I kept thinking about the movie Clarks and everybody who's ever listened to the show knows I hate the movie Clarks. (laughs) But Clerks was such a huge passion project for Kevin Smith. You know, he, he worked 13-hour days on, like, $30,000 to make this movie. He did everything he could to get it done with what little he had. And that's exactly what Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell did in this movie. And once you understand that, you can look at it with a different sense of appreciation, I think. Does that make sense? Did I actually answer the question you were asking me, Matthew? <laughs>
1: You you didn't, and we are going to look back to your take <laughs> and how you okay. appreciated it, but do you think that sort of metatextual knowledge is absolutely necessary for this film?
0: If you're going to watch it for the first time in 2019, yes. Okay. Because it doesn't hold up.
2: Okay. I think it's definitely necessary for a non-horror fan to have that context. Because I think any horror fan can go into that and, and sort of recognize that off the bat but um, okay, that's fair yeah mm. but yeah definitely if you're not a horror fan i think having that context will definitely help better understand and hopefully be able to appreciate
0: it
1: because of that yeah erica i have a question for you about the style then from someone who knows this so intensely yeah are they doing it in this as a kind of redefining the genre a bit you know it would take it forward a step to you don't have to play it quite so seriously
2: I think I think the intent was was definitely there. I don't think they set out to say like we're going to go out there and completely change the game, especially considering how much money they had. Mm-hmm. I think they were just trying to say here's how much money we have. Here's what we can do with it. Here's this vision that I have. And you know, I think th- there's not necessarily anything in there as far as the gore effects go. That's new and innovative. What is sort of new and innovative and and groundbreaking was the the camera work in it. And that's rainy right. yeah. and it's very distinct for the effects. i wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think they they wanted to go as over the top as possible to say, we know what we're doing. We're a part of this and um, sort of establish their their credibility.
1: Right. Oh, I'm possibly taking this further than we should go for talking about this film. But if we're saying The Evil Dead 2 takes that even further and kind of does the same thing, but let's go nuts with it. Mm-hmm. Was that just because they saw the success of this and went, hey, we could have done more?
2: I think the reason that they took it more in that that direction was, yeah, we can dial it up to... You know, we have we dialed it up to 11 in the first one. Let's dial it up to 21 in this one (laughs) But the the much more campy and horror comedy direction that evil dead 2 and army of darkness take I think Is sort of sam Raimi's response to the backlash that he got from The first one specifically having to go through all the video nasties stuff and Mm the issues that he ran into with that one particular scene from the first one.
1: Okay. Oh, I think probably one more question on this, on this line of thinking, but if they'd had more money, would it have been more serious or would it just have been higher quality still a little bit goofy?
2: I think it would have been the same, but just higher quality. Um, I mean, they honestly, if you, if you read anything or watch anything about the production of this, I think if they had more money, I don't know that it necessarily would have gone directly into the film, but it might've gone into something like having better food for the, (laughs) for the crew, because there's so many horror stories about the production of this film that maybe they would have shelled out for better hotel rooms or better food or something like better taking care of their crew. I think I, I just want to guess that's where the money might've gone because from what I've read and, and watched about, the making of it—it it sounds like a nightmare.
1: <laughs> yeah, not not having to stop for ages and then cast like fake people as some of your actors. Well, sure, they probably would have done that thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's actually no, Mandy, we didn't really answer that question, did we? Let's let's loop back around and answer that question. Uh, how did the style come to you? Did you enjoy when you you know were picking up on the tongue-in-cheek goof- goofiness of it?
0: I I think I did. You know, it it took me a few. It took me a few minutes to kind of get there. Um, At first, I was thinking, wow, this is terrible, and I'm going to hate this. Why am I watching this movie? And then the longer I was in story, um, the more I could see kind of what they were trying to do and why that made for a good movie and a good story. Right. Although I do – I want to ask this from you guys. What is it about this movie that turned it into a cult classic? Um, I know that the character have, of Ash has become a cultural icon. And based on this movie alone, I don't entirely understand that. And and so what is it about this movie that elevated itself to become the status that it is now?
2: I think there's a, there's a lot to that. It, it takes a lot for their, for a movie, especially in horror, to have staying power and to be considered sort of a cult classic. I think a lot of it has to do with the the style of Raimi, the -the over-the-top gore. And quite honestly, a lot of it probably has to do with Stephen King's endorsement. Mm. So him writing that review for Evil Dead and then being able to use that quote to promote it really got the film out there in a time when there's no internet to do that. And, and back then, especially in the 80s, an endorsement from Stephen King was like getting an endorsement from God. Um, Clive Barker got an endorsement from, uh, from Stephen King for Hellraiser um, that said, I have seen the future of horror and his name is Clive Barker.
0: Mm. And
2: so just having that automatically catapults it into, you know, popularity at the time. But then the cult status comes I honestly think that this it's staying power has a lot to do with the sequels because you know, and I, I have this in my notes later, but a lot of people actually think of the the sequel Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness as the better two of the three. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people forget that well, no, the first one is actually straight horror, and then they sort of change directions in Evil Dead Two and really turned up the camp. So I think the by default, it because it's with those other two movies falls into cult status. So I think okay. there's a lot, a lot of things that that put it there.
0: So it wasn't until the sequels that it really got elevated.
2: I think long term. I mean, right. I, I it definitely made an impact at the time, but if we're talking cult status, which is something you know long term, I think that has a lot to do
0: with the sequels. Okay. That makes sense. And I think everybody that that knew I was watching this told me that 2 and 3 were better. I think most people seem to think that Army of Darkness is the best of the three. I, yeah. Uh,
2: It's got more quotable lines, I think. Um, But there, I could go back and forth between the two. If I was ranking them you know, depending on the day I would say Army of Darkness or Evil Dead 2.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: I would imagine some of the controversy about its rating and about its release has probably helped certainly closer to its release. Just like, no, you're not allowed to watch the thing. Well, try and stop me.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 You get on a video nasty list or any type of, um, you know, groups protesting your movie that just makes people want to see it Mm, all the much more. And so that definitely, I, I agree. I think that that contributes to it as well. Uh,
1: you mentioned the character of Ash and his development in the sequels. You know, he's a big part of this film. He's he's the one who has to carry the film and carry the, the action going on. I'm not sure we actually get a character of Ash in this. Um, but, Erica, you said that, you know, he's your favourite character and, and he, you enjoy watching him so much. Yeah. What do you like about him, certainly in this one? what What works for you?
2: Oh, uh, his character doesn't really work for me in this okay. in this particular movie. It's uh, I'm looking at the sort of series as a whole when I talk about him as a favorite character. Mm. In this one, he's not the person that you expect to be the survivor. He's not all that interesting. He's sort of you know bookish, and he's not the hero uh, at all. He doesn't really become that until. Evil Dead too. so yeah I mean I I love the character as a collective throughout the movies and you know the series but this one is not the Ash really that everyone loves
1: okay so basically the same question for Mandy because certainly looking at your notes you did not know who was going to die who was going to have what going on with them
0: well I mean I knew Ash was going to win or not win but live Right, because he's still alive now. And there's so. a series
1: called Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um.
0: So I immediately pegged that. Um. I I didn't know their names to start with, and so I called him the asshole driver from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I knew he was gonna die, and the two girls in the back seat, I knew they were gonna die, but I wasn't sure about the other girl who was sitting in the front, um, in the car, um. And I guess I probably should have just assumed everybody but Ash was going to die, but I didn't. <laughs> um, and I I was mostly playing on horror tropes at that point. Because, you know, one, if you have sex in a horror movie, you're going to die. Um, two, if you're a blonde girl, you're going to die. And that's kind of what happened in this movie. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, and I think I expected... From Ash's character, like his character at first made sense to me because he was quiet and kind of bookish and maybe not bookish, but nerdy-ish. And I expected to see character development in this movie where by the end he survives because of sheer will. He has defeated the evil forces and so he's gotten stronger. Right. Um, and that's not actually what happens. I'm assuming that's what happens in the franchise because I know by the end, you know, I've seen trailers for the show at the very least. Um, so his character in this movie didn't entirely make sense to me. And I, I don't really know why he's the one that survived other than he's Bruce Campbell because his character (laughs) didn't do anything. Um, I was going to mention this actually later in my favorite moments. I think my favorite moment in the whole movie is when, um, Scotty gets attacked by demon Cheryl and Ash Mm. is just sitting on the couch watching like no expression on his face <laughs> he's he hasn't moved he doesn't do anything he just sits there and watches it happen until they get closer to him and then he stands up you know and he kind of did that throughout the whole movie like he he didn't react to things until almost the very very end with why are you torturing me like this i can't believe this is still happening you know but it took until the end of the movie to get that level of expressiveness from him Yeah, it really
1: does take something for him to react. And to be fair to him, he takes a bookcase to the back really well. That is true. (laughs) It seems to happen a lot, and he reacts to that really nicely. Yeah, because that (laughs)
0: did happen more than once in the movie. Yeah, and I think
2: think that's kind of one of my favorite moments too, is like, you know, they don't have any money for stunt doubles. So that's, you know, Mm. Bruce Campbell getting thrown across the room, Bookcase falling on him, all those things. And I think that's one of the things that, even though his campiness doesn't really come out until Evil Dead 2 and beyond, just the the devotion to, well, I'm going to take all the the blows to to make this scene work. And just his physicality is, I think, what I love about him in, in this version, even though he doesn't have much else going on as far as a reaction, like Mandy said.
1: Except for yeah. the mirror. And I think mm-hmm. that's because there's no a, a thing for him to act against. He's just got to be shocked at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I made a note of that moment because it was surprising to me. Like, he's faced with his friends turning into demons. Like, he's helped dismember one of his friends and he had no reaction. And then the mirror takes it, sucks his hand in, and he just loses it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that. Okay, that's a character choice for sure. Yeah.
1: And it's exactly that sort of thing that like you look back on it and you go, oh yeah, that was quite funny. And I think it's almost intentional they did that. But in the moment, if you're not in the headspace of this is trying to do something a little bit funny, this is straight horror, it would just be strange.
0: Yeah. I I did read something where uh, he said in an interview that, that there may have been some marijuana smoking while they were filming this and he may have been under the influence of THC when Sam decided to film that scene so yeah they they absolutely were yeah Yeah, he was pretty high I think which is pretty great as odd as this movie is to watch for the first time in 2019 especially when you don't have a background in horror this movie is exceptionally fun to talk about (laughs)
1: yay <laughs> <It's like that. laughs> yeah it is it is the silliness that comes out That when you go ah, oh, it was all silly because the first time i watched it i thought it was a horror film and i was just watching it going okay this is ridiculous this is ridiculous and then looking back on it you go oh yeah that was kind of fun mm-hmm. and you watch it again exactly yes. what you say you watch it again you go oh yeah it works
0: That's exactly the experience I had. I, you know, like probably the first half an hour, I was just like, I I can't believe I'm watching this. This is awful. (laughs) Um, And all of the effects just made me laugh. Um, But then the more I laughed at it, the more I enjoyed it. And I just kind of got to the point where I was like, this is fun. It's just Hmm. fun.
1: So let's talk the effects and the violence and the gore. you know, we've talked about your reaction to the style of it, Mandy. Did you have any reaction to the you know grossness and pencils in people's legs and stuff?
0: Oh, I was utterly unprepared for it. <laughs> Nobody warned me that this was a gory movie. Like when I hear horror, i I think of jump scares. I don't think of blood right. and And that's probably just my failing of understanding the genre. But I didn't expect it. Uh, Joseph had warned me that a lot of the effects had been done with claymation. And so I knew there was going to be some level of weirdness. But I was just utterly unprepared for what we got. Some of it made me giggle like a fiend. (laughs) Um, The pencil in the ankle was probably the one genuinely horrifying effect. Like, I... If I could have sat further back on the couch than I did, I probably would have. Like, I was practically <laughs> in the wall trying to get away from the TV at that point. Um, but the rest of it just kind of made me giggle a lot. Although, at the end, I think probably the last 20 minutes, my face was permanently stuck in this what the fuck like <laughs> expression. I wish I could have taken a selfie of it because I knew I looked ridiculous. But it was just like one effect after the other, after the other of just all of this stuff happening. Um, And I think culminating with the, gosh, the dissolution of the bodies, Mm -hmm. which I think is really where the claymation came in. But Mm -hmm. that was completely unexpected after the rest of the movie, because the rest of the movie was just, you know, spurty liquid, And then all of a sudden you get cockroaches and snakes and I guess they used oatmeal for some of it, too. And it was just gross. It was gross. That's what I'm trying to say. It was gross.
1: Yeah, that definitely was porridge at the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I think it was effective. It definitely contributed to the overall fun of the movie.
1: So what, for you, even though gore is not a thing you enjoy?
0: I think so, because it wasn't... Because even, like, when they dismembered the, the first girl, what was her name? Shelley? It was very different than, say, the dismemberment you get in a movie like Saw. You know, one yeah. of them is very clearly fantastical, and the other one is more rooted in reality. Gore rooted in reality doesn't work for me. But this did. Right. Because this, I could, even though, like, I was stuck in that, oh, my God, what the fuck, face, you know, kind of trying to get as far away from the TV as I could, um, it was still, it was clearly fantasy, and it clearly wasn't real. And I can handle that. Okay. Much more than I can handle some dude taking a chainsaw to his own ankle. Hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, Mandy. I mean, even as a fan of horror um, I don't, I don't care for the Saw movies or Hostel or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is no, as, as much as a horror fan wants to see the gore and um, new innovative kills, you know, something like Saw, the first one, I'll give it to them. It was, you know, new and there was a twist in there. But when you spawn like eight sequels or however freaking many they have now, um, and the Hostel films, I just you know, I don't care for the torture porn no. at all. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer it to be, it's clearly fake, but it's also really well done. So it looks real kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cause that makes it enjoyable when you're just sitting there seeing someone get tortured in, in a way like saw and, and Hostel do. It's just, it takes the fun out of it.
0: Yes, that's exactly it. It, it takes the fun out of it.
1: All of which loops us uh, nicely, he says, (sighs) um, to that scene, about a third of the way through. So um, we've circled it a little bit. If no one's seen this film, um, there's a bit where one of the women hears something outside, runs outside, and it's implied, actually shown, she basically gets raped by a tree. Yes. Or by a number of branches and trees, and then runs back in, and no one believes her. Is it necessary? Are they trying to imply anything about it? Or are they just going for, God, this is horrific?
0: I think it was absolutely just for the shock value. Right. Um, because I, I read in many places, and I know, I think you mentioned this too, Erica. Sam Raimi has already gone on record and said he regrets filming that scene. Yep. And if he had to do the movie again, he would leave it out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Honestly, from a story, like narratively, it doesn't make sense because all I mean, the movie is called The Evil Dead. It's about demon possession and all of the people in the house get possessed by demons. So what does that have to do with trees that are alive? Yeah, like it doesn't. There's not a narrative thread that ties it together. Um, And so that's just not even thinking about the the sexual assault aspect of it just from a story perspective it's bad writing from any other perspective oh my god it's just horrific like i was screaming at my tv like as soon as i realized what was going to happen i was literally shouting out loud like i wasn't even typing notes at this point i was just shouting at the tv oh my god please don't be plant rape oh my god kept shouting oh my god joseph looked at me and he said you know you need to write these down right and so i had to go back and like that's where all of my shouty caps notes came from it was just horrifying completely yeah. unexpected
2: yeah i agree it doesn't it doesn't fit in the narrative it is there for shock value and yeah absolutely sam raimi like there's multiple interviews with him where he says I didn't want to offend anyone or anything. I just want to entertain people. And, you know, it's done for shock value. And the idea is, yeah, all these people are getting possessed. How do we show, how do we physically show them getting possessed? And this was a late teen, early twenties man idea of how do we show that and put in some shock value and he regrets it and I forgive him for it. I'm a female and I forgive him for it. But yeah, I, he like Mandy said, like he says, if he could go back, he wouldn't have shot that scene. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it was it was 1981. And like you said, these very young people and yes, I forgive them for it, too. I just it was unnecessary and it was shocking. So, I mean, he accomplished what he was trying to do.
1: Yeah. But yeah, there's no element of oh, that, that sort of s- sexual power. In The Evil Dead, it's just about violence and things, so it doesn't, like, anyway, I I would be interested to know, and Eric, I think you said you've seen it in, basically, his remake of his own film. Is that scene still there? Yes. Yep. So when he says he wouldn't do it again, Mm -hmm. he did again.
2: Well, there's, you know, sort of mantra in horror, like, don't fuck with the original. Um, Everyone wants the original cut, so... He has to play fans or you know, to the fans. And if he cuts that out, then he would be dealing with the backlash from it. I think it's it's not so much like I'm gonna take it out because it is it is a product of its time, but it is like if I were to go back, I wouldn't shoot that scene. Which to me is not the same as I'm gonna cut it out and here's the new version of right. it. So
0: I think the the worst part of it for me, and this may be me seeing something that wasn't actually there i'm not sure because it happened so quickly but it read to me as if they shot it where she enjoyed it a little bit
1: there is a hint of that isn't there
0: um Mm. in in, not in the visual well a little bit in the visual but more so in the sound Mm -hmm. um it felt like and i think that's really the part that bothered me the most. If they hadn't done that, I would have less of a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but putting assault in for the sake of shock value and then like de-escalating it by having her enjoy her own rape is really wildly problematic. Yeah, and
2: I'm and I'm not going to defend it. I think what people have said about that particular aspect of it is that once it turns a point to she is seemingly enjoying it is when she is actually fully possessed in a demon. Okay. So okay. that's supposed to indicate the sort of turning point of the event in her possession. I'm not defending it by any means. This is just what people have speculated.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, I've got worse hair canon for things in Star Trek, so I can, <laughs> I can you know. But the, uh, yeah, the whole thing is probably shouldn't be there. I'm not sure we've got anything more to say on that. I, think, I yeah. think that takes us out into what have we enjoyed about it. So it's a good place to jump off. Um, and yeah. Mandy, was there anything you were, that you particularly enjoyed? Is it I the mean, effects we... and the graphicness of it?
0: <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about Ash's performance or Bruce Campbell's performance. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I, I think just overall, I enjoyed... The experience, and I know I've said that, it was a fun experience. And so it's hard for me to pinpoint one specific thing, I think, at this point. If I rewatched it, I could probably take out specific scenes and lines. Like, there's not a single memorable quote from this movie that I can think of just from the one viewing. Um, Because I was so into just the experience of the journey that this movie was taking me on. So it's harder for me, I think, at mm. this point to pinpoint specifics. But that doesn't mean I didn't like it and that I don't think people should watch it because I do.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's there's not a lot of dialogue in it. So you're right. Pulling out specific lines is harder to do because mm-hmm. very quickly it is Ash hitting people and running away and getting hit by bookcases, <laughs> which is which is good fun.
0: I mean, I could always point out that the drawing of the book looked like Spongebob. (laughs) That's all I got. And it took me until the end of the movie to figure out that that drawing that looked like Spongebob was supposed to be the book. Oh. (laughs) I, I didn't understand that's what it was. I was like, it's a weird face that looks like Spongebob. I don't know what's happening. And then finally, at the very end, I was like, oh, it's the book. Because honestly, the book wasn't that important. Because... The recording was more important than anything else, and everything was kind of tied back to that until the very end, when he figured out, oh, the book is smoking, and so is the demon. So let me destroy the book. So I, I just wasn't thinking about it in those terms.
2: Sure, it plays a more central role in the sequels. So mm-hmm. there's that.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I don't, I don't even think the book was named in this movie, and I know it is named. Um, Mm -hmm. you've even said i can't pronounce that word but you've even said it but that word didn't appear in this movie
1: yeah okay so erica as a you know very long-term fan of this do you have a few bits you can distill it down to what you most enjoy about it just
2: a few Ah. (laughs) uh yeah no i definitely can i there's there's a few things about it uh i guess my favorite scene is Um, towards the end when Ash is down in the basement and the pipe bursts on him and he gets covered in blood and there's Mm -hmm. blood coming in through the light bulb and on the projector that, you know, then in turn is projecting red onto the wall and Ash is shrouded in that. I think that's probably, that's one of my favorite scenes. Um, I, I enjoy... Bruce Campbell's just sort I think I mentioned it already, like sort of his physicality throughout the whole thing. Mm. Um, I like, I, I kind of refer, I think I would refer to some of the camera work as sort of Jaws-esque. So instead of spending money on demons that you actually see, they do this camera work that's like demon vision, like really quickly, kind of erratically through the woods and over the, the water and stuff mm. like that. And even... Um, the end scene the, the at the very end when they have that sort of demon vision and then it goes all through the house and crashes through the front door and then at the very end it hits uh hits ash that's sam Raimi on a bicycle with the camera going through the house so i just i love the little things like that about the film uh i love the car because if you've seen any sam Raimi films it's in every single one of his movies <laughs> right <laughs> It's even Uncle Ben's car in Spider-Man. Um, and then I think um, just another little fun thing that I love about it is the uh, the Easter egg. Um, so I don't know if you guys saw it, but down in the basement, there is a ripped poster of The Hills Have Eyes. Yes. Okay. I did see it. So basically that's there very purposefully because... In The Hills Have Eyes, there is a scene after the, you know, mountain mutants come down and destroy the, um, destroy the camper. There is a Jaws poster in the room that is ripped in half. And so the, the idea here is that Wes Craven was giving a nod to Jaws is like, yeah, you've got a horror film. Uh, no, I've got a horror film. And so then Sam Raimi turned around and said, well, I'm going to take a Wes Craven film, rip your poster in half and say, well, no, now I've got a horror film here. Um, And then apparently in, uh, so you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street, Mandy. Um, So there is actually a, Wes Craven did put a scene, like one of the kids is watching Evil Dead on there. So then that's sort of Wes Craven's like. Yeah hey, yeah, I saw your I saw your movie. I saw you rip my poster <laughs> in the movie. So nice little Easter egg in the yeah. in the horror director family there. I like that.
1: Love it. Yeah. yeah yeah, great. And yeah, that whole bit where suddenly the the house starts filling up with blood, and and mm-hmm. it's just blood, blood, and more blood everywhere. Yeah, it really does have that sense of oh, everything's gone to shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> and
0: poor Ash just keeps getting a face full and a mouthful yeah. of blood. <laughs> Like he could not catch a break.
1: It works really well because they've introduced the demons and a lot of the violence so early. It's like, okay, how do you escalate this? How do you take this even further? And they still manage it, which like a lot of horror films do not do. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, okay, people keep getting killed. More death. No, no, this fills everyone up with blood. It's great.
0: It's also interesting to me because I I believe they didn't actually make this with a sequel in mind. And so the audience is left thinking nobody survived because that final scene, I think is intended to be the demon got ash. Right. And I think that's an interesting take on the horror genre, because usually you do have one central figure who overcomes the evil and gets out. Yeah. I mean, sometimes audiences
2: like those sort of cliffhanger endings though, because it could go either way. Um, You know, even nightmare on Elm street has you know its ending is like oh no freddy's not dead mm-hmm. you know you didn't all survive so um so yeah i think uh yeah it it does tend to tie it up in a bow but it could also be open for a sequel which
0: thankfully it did mm-hmm. yeah so what about you matthew what did you enjoy from this movie
1: i i think it's where the women become demons and are just spending a lot of time taunting the guys particularly from from the basement and just being a bit strange but not being able to do anything. Um, and the woman who just stands in the door giggling in a very high-pitched way. Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> she was so creepy. Yeah,
1: the, there's no real attempt to like, oh, let's lock her out, let's hide, let's do something. It's just, oh, I'm going to stand away from you.
0: Uh... <laughs> 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 or just sit on the floor yeah. and sing song at you. <laughs>
1: it's great, I just... It stands out even now, I think, as something a little different. And again, very, very um, sort of Buffy Whedon-esque, mm. that, that treatment of demons. But it's just, it's good fun. And yes. and you really do think like, yeah, yeah, these guys are going to die. And it's going to be quite, quite cool to watch.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't even think about um, how this is kind of Buffy-esque, how Buffy was inspired by this. Um, but listening to you talk about it, I can see it. Joss Whedon, definitely a horror fan, obviously.
1: Yeah, I couldn't find anything actually referencing it as as him as a fan of The Evil Dead in this way. I, I read a thing about it. he had done some script work for Raimi after all of this, so who knows? Maybe sort him out. Yeah,
2: I think yeah. it's just a, you know, sort of after-the-fact fan. Mm. Um, I think, like you said, there's some definite nods in Buffy, but Cabin in the Woods is basically... It's a, it's a love letter to Evil Dead and so many other horror movies, but it's also... A you know a criticism of you know horror fans in general uh, uh, and the whole sort of tropes and everything like that and t- trying to turn it on its head it's really like that movie came out of nowhere for me and it's so smart and yeah um just really good and it's I know we're talking about
1: it.
0: It. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got a fantastic cast i was shocked at how much i enjoyed that movie as someone who isn't a horror fan? I mean to be mm-hmm. real, I watched it because it was Joss Wheaton. Mm-hmm. Um and then and when I started watching it and I was like, Oh my god, that's Thor I and mean, because I watched it later, um, after Thor was already Thor. Mm-hmm. Um and Jesse Williams and Bradley Whitford and it's just it's so good. Yeah. All right. So is there anything else that we need to discuss about the evil dad?
1: So we have Oh, a couple of sequels we have a tv show we have a remake um i think a question to each of you erica do you think they're worth it when we should go on given mandy's reaction Um uh, mandy do you want to watch them <laughs>
2: all of them are worth it every single last bit of it um you know i i love the you know i love the sequels i think i've already you know, sung their praises enough, but uh, I love the recent editions. You know, the the TV series is great. I'm really bummed it got it just got canceled. The remake is good. I mean, Ramey and Campbell were behind it, and the producers behind it. I think it was it's a really solid film and a good straight horror film. Okay. Uh, Mandy, I don't think you would like it because it doesn't have that <laughs> campiness. Okay. Yeah, I. I Yeah, I love them all. I love sequels, remake, TV show. And there's even a a musical, Evil Dead the Musical. And you can get blood sprayed. Yeah, it uh, tours the country. You can sit up front and get blood sprayed on you. It's great.
0: (laughs) Have you experienced this? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so yes, I do actually want to definitely watch Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. um, And then I will go on to watch the show, whether or not we do that on this show or not I don't know if I were to watch the remake at what point should I do it should I wait until I've seen everything in the original franchise or can I just go ahead and do it
2: no it you can go ahead and do it because it is a it is a straight horror movie so maybe it makes the most sense for you to watch it after this one okay Uh, the premise is nearly identical with the exception of the reason that they're at the cabin they're not just there for like a vacation they're there to get one of the the main characters off of heroin so there's oh. actually a better reason for them to be in a secluded mm-hmm. cabin it's not terrible the characters are for a 2013 movie that you know characters aren't that great but it's a really solid gore flick which you know if you're squeamish i again i don't know if you <laughs> if you
0: like it mm. <laughs> Okay, because we'll it's see.
2: much more realistic. It's not campy gore. It's like, yeah.
0: Maybe I'll at least watch the trailer because I honestly I didn't know that a remake existed until yesterday when oh, I was okay. looking up more information um, for this. Okay, um, so maybe I'll find the trailer and see what I think about it, and okay. I I may take your advice and run far away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will we will schedule them to cover at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds
1: good. So, Erica, thank you so much for joining us. This has been uh, a lot of fun and really useful to have someone who knows it quite so well.
2: So it's <laughs> a lot of fun. I love talking horror, so I'm happy to do it for any horror movies that you guys cover.
1: <laughs> oh, there was a good chance we might need you back at some point. Yes. Um, uh, tell us about your show and and what you get, get to watch on uh, Customers Almost Watch, also watched. so uh customers also watched it's a podcast about movies that are
2: streaming on amazon prime so i strictly follow the customers also watch list so like if i watch one movie i have to pick the next movie from that list and then that movie i pick the list you know pick from that one wow that seems like such a crazy
0: rabbit trail
2: it is yeah and i mean honestly it was something i was doing already um because and i just i watch so much garbage and you know the (laughs) top three questions in my household are how was your day did you feed the dogs and what the fuck are you watching so (laughs) um but yeah it's 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 my way of you know reliving those days back at the video store and looking at vhs vhs boxes and trying to decide what to rent so um i've enjoyed it a lot so far uh i started with a horror movie and i've mostly done horror movies so far um but uh you know, depending on what you pick, it can take you down a whole different path. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, So if uh, anyone wants to follow uh, on Twitter, that's uh, a -A CAW podcast, Uh, Instagram or Facebook, it's under customers also watched. And I'm also on Letterboxd under also watched. Uh, I have new episodes twice a month, plus mini episodes once a month that cover entire horror franchises. So That might be useful for you, Mandy, if you want to just get a quick overview. (laughs) Yeah,
0: okay, absolutely. And we will link to everything in our show notes Mm. so folks can just click through to find you because that sounds pretty awesome. Um, Even though I'm not huge on the horror stuff, but hey, you watch them so I don't have to. Exactly.
1: (laughs) We've talked a little bit about the different types of horror film. What sort of thing do you like to go for? Ooh
2: that's that's a hard pick because you know like there are so so many different genres like when anyone asks me like oh what's your favorite horror movie i'm like I can't, what i can't <laughs> i can't pick one because you've got you know gore you've got psychological you've got killer you've got monster you've got paranormal and then under each of those you've got slashers giallo uh you know eco horror like torture cannibals extreme zombies vampires werewolves like i can't pick one
1: so (laughs) okay i
2: I love all of it i think the ones that i tend to like the least um are probably most of uh i've already talked about like the torture ones i don't care for Mm -hmm. and then more of the last 10 15 years or so the paranormal ones because they rely solely on jump scares which to me are cheap okay okay
0: <laughs> I have to say though I had no idea the horror genre was so broad yeah it's um it's kind of
2: like uh kind of like heavy metal where there's so many you can't just say like oh it's just that's a metal band it's like no there's so many subgenres. there's mm-hmm. you know death metal and black metal and Glam metal and whatever else. It's kind of the same with horror. There's probably five or six main genres. And then within each of those, there are other
0: sub-genres. So, so, so it's yeah. possible there's something for everyone in the Absol- horror genre. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it some consideration. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. <laughs> well, okay. For that consideration, is there anything you can recommend to Mandy? Either your favorites or things you've covered that you really enjoyed?
2: Uh, As far as stuff that I've covered, I actually... The next episode I have coming out is a giallo. And Mandy, do you know what that is?
0: I have no idea what that is. I've never heard that word before or even seen it written down.
2: Okay. So a giallo is Italian for yellow and they are essentially Italian, Italian horror movies, but they are very specific in that they are sort of like a murder mystery and they always have, um, they're very stylistic and, the they have very specific traits like usually the killers have black gloves and um i don't know it's um i think it's they're they're much more digestible i think and the one that i just watched is called blood and black lace which is the sort of defining giallo film from 1964 and it is gorgeous like the colors and cinematography and everyone dies beautifully like it's not gory and <laughs>
0: everyone gory dies gross.
2: beautifully i do it's That's, i mean it's everyone's free. it's high fashion models getting killed and everyone just looks gorgeous when they die it's the blood is you know that that super red cheap you know looking blood so you know it's fake and i think that might be a good i think you might enjoy those films hmm. um okay I mean, Suspiria is technically uh, giallo, but okay. I don't know that you would like the new one.
0: Okay. Maybe. So, what's your favorite? Well, okay, we already talked about you can't, but <laughs> what? What are your like top five? Oof. Can you do that?
2: Uh yeah. Or uh, maybe you just
0: like what are your top five today? If you were gonna sit down and watch horror movies today, what would you pick? I, I
2: think there's ones that have a lot of uh, staying power with me. And I, I i know I mentioned that paranormal or their ghost ones aren't generally my favorite, but Poltergeist is uh, a definite favorite. Um, I like a lot of Toby Hooper stuff. So Life Force is another one, which is not a straight horror movie, but because it's a mix of sci-fi action and horror. So I'll still call it in there and it, Not all my favorite movies are horror movies, so. Okay. (laughs) Oh, this is hard. Uh, Well, yesterday was uh, Alien Day, so I'm going to go with uh, Alien. That's probably one of my favorites as well. And Hellraiser, uh, one and actually, yeah, I can't defend the whole series, but I definitely really enjoy one and two.
1: You, you wanted to there, I could see you going for like, there, there, but no.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would love to, but I just, I can't. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, on the other side of it, like, I really just love those, those good, bad movies. So stuff like um, Miami Connection and uh, Elves and Troll 2 and stuff like that. Like, so, yeah, um, I think you might like Life Force. Actually, Mandy. never
0: even heard of it. So I will look it up. <laughs> okay. Well, it has been wonderful having you on the show. Having somebody who is such a horror fan on to talk about horror movies is great. I think when mm. we did Nightmare on Elm Street, it was just me and Matthew. Oh. <laughs> so it's it's nice to to get an actual true fan on, Matthew. Yeah. Not that you're not a true Yay.
1: fan. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know what I mean. Oh, I'm so happy to do this, and this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank about you so much. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at EloquentGushing, or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com
1: we are 100 percent funded by listeners like you through patreon anything you can give even one dollar a month it gives access to exclusive content and helps to support the network and develop new shows if you want to find out more please visit patreon.com eloquent gushing
0: and we will be back in two weeks with another episode where we'll party on with wayne's world Two. so until next time i'm mandy Kay.
1: and why are you torturing me like this Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.